So this is one of the most challenging interviews I've had to do on this podcast. Because today I'm interviewing Corey Tukbeck Gebur, a newcomer on the SEO scene that's already been endorsed by the likes of Mike Diggity or Matt Singers in the industry. He's also the guy who's been pushing the very popular concept of topical authority in the recent days. And what's good about him is that he regularly shares case studies of sites that he's ranking using his techniques. And while the first ones were in Turkish, for this interview he sent me several English sites that he ranked using the same methods, and we're gonna share several of the URLs inside this episode. So that's for the good part. But there is a big problem. A lot of Corey's content is confusing and very difficult to follow for a lot of people. He tends to use a lot of words and concepts that are foreign to most SEOs. And while I prepared this interview, I went through a lot of his content. And trust me, I know that because I had to consume a lot of content to prepare his interview. And I often walked away from the videos not knowing what to do on my website because it was so high level or complicated. And when I asked you guys what I should talk to him about during this interview on social media, this issue came up again and again, including from people who bought his course. So I had no choice but to confront him directly about that problem during the interview. But I also worked my ass off to try to make him as clear and actionable as possible inside this episode. I wanted you to walk away from it understanding topical authority better and knowing exactly what to do in your website today so you can get better results. And you will see it was not an easy task. We often clashed about his answers and I had to make him repeat things several times. And if at any point you're lost during the interview, just know that at the end of it, I've recorded a too long didn't watch section that you can jump to at any time and you'll get my notes and you'll get my notes from the episode, what I took away and what you can do on your website to apply his tactics. Now, before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor, Audis.Global, the premium age domain marketplace that you can use to skip the sandbox. I'll share more about them inside the episode. If you enjoy these kind of interviews, don't forget to like, subscribe and click the bell. They take a ton of time to make, but I'm kind of enjoying them and learning a lot as I do them. So as long as you guys keep liking and watching, I'll keep doing them. All right, enough teasing. Let's jump into the interview. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome to the Atari Hacker Podcast. Today we have Corey Tukbeck. To, am I saying it correctly? I know I'm, people never say my name properly, so I know how it feels. <laughs> okay, everyone says it differently. Corey Tukbeck Gubur or Corey, Corey, Corey. Okay, well, I have the same. Like Gail, nobody says the same way, so don't worry. Uh, we're two foreign SEOs dealing with the English speaking language yeah. here, and we know what it means. But like, no offense, but like, Thank you for coming. And can you introduce yourself for people who don't know who you are and what you do? Okay. First of all, thank you for having me. It's a great honor. My name is Koray Tuberk Gubur. I am a search engine optimization expert over eight years and I worked over 1000 companies. Maybe I stopped counting it. My best, let's say my best SEO experience was actually losing 3000 websites in a single day on the <laughs> medical update day in 2018. Oh, oh welcome to the club. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't lose 3000 sites, but I lost a big one. <laughs> yeah. And until that very moment, I was actually a casino SEO mainly, and I was a PBN mm -hmm. manager. And I started the search engine optimization from the Black Hat SEO site. And I believe it was my biggest luck. I Usually people sometimes think that actually I'm a whitehead SEO, but I am not. And especially, I always consider actually Google, I like Google designers, inventors, but when it comes to Google spokespersons, I am not a big fan of them. I can understand. And when it comes to the, after 2018, I started to come to do some corporate SEOs a little bit. And I realized that actually the black hat industry culture and the whitehead, they are two different from each other. Then I started to bring my own learnings from my own experiences to do my own SEO field. After a point, I started to write some case studies. And after I write the second one, 
it started to be a little bit important in the international market. Then from there, I created my own company. Right now, we are over 30 people in various countries. It's already actually, it is over seven figures uh, business, I can tell. After the case studies, we started to gather a community, holistic SEO community. It exceeded 12,000 members. And we also have a course with 1,300 members as well and some different stuff too. So we continue in that way. Okay. I want to start this interview by addressing the elephant in the room. So I'm just going to like go for the most difficult question to start with. And then we're going to regress back to the more technical stuff. When I prepare my interviews, I turn to social media and I ask people what they want me to ask the guests, what we want to talk about, mm -hmm. etc. So that I try to essentially match what the audience wants to hear. And then I kind of like apply editorial guidelines. Like I try to modify it to make the interview interesting. And there was two sides of people that reacted to that. There was on one side, I would say about 25 to 30% of people that think that you are the shit when it comes to SEO, you're doing really, like you have something amazing to share, etc. that you're changing the game, including some big industry personalities like Matt Diggity or Matt Singers, for example, who are, both talk to them and they both love your stuff, etc. Mm -hmm. And I think they have a point. I mean, one thing that you're doing well is, as you said in your interview, you're showing lots of case studies showing sites going up in rankings a lot when you're working on them. And so, and you're not bullshitting because this is what Masters Console, this is not like Ahrefs or something like that, which I will say I appreciate because it's easily manipulated. I will talk more about case studies a little bit later, but like that's basically to make the point of these people. Then I have another, I would say potentially larger side of people that say they don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> and they're a bit frustrated by the way you express things quite a bit. When I dug deeper, it's like, this came up. Like, this came up on YouTube when I asked people. This came up on a thread on Twitter. I found a thread on Reddit that said that, and our own Discord had that. So, like, it's, it's something that came up several times, including some people who took the course. For me, I'm trying to kind of understand both sides. It's like, that. I'm, I come from this interview, I'm trying to, like, understand both sides and the case studies. Yep, they are interesting, and definitely, I think they're good. And on the other side, I've also consumed a lot of your content to prepare this podcast, and I can also yeah. understand where people come from when they say they don't understand what you're talking yeah. about. I find your videos a little bit rambly sometimes, or like not, not super well-structured, and it's hard to extract practical value from them. And it was quite difficult for me to prepare this podcast. However, I then looked at your interviews with Madigity, and I looked at an interview on Indexy, uh, which were both very good interviews. I recommend people go watch them if they want to actually learn more about what you do. And there was a lot of like glimpses of very interesting things that you shared there that I could grasp maybe a bit better than the videos you shared, right? So my first question for this interview to you is, what do you want to say to these 75% of people who complained about the way you share content in SEO? So I will actually say three things. The first one is, uh, will be a little bit different. And first of all, I respect all of them and I understand and I feel them too. And uh, that's why actually in my YouTube channel lately, I started to share very simple five minutes or 10 minutes of videos, like write this prompt to the chat GBT, get this, upload this data from SEMrush to the code interpreter and do these three changes. Mm -hmm. So I also start to adopt a little bit their feedback. And the main thing is that in our holistic SEO community, we have SEOs that learn a different way of SEO from us. And they have actually over 10 years of experience of search engine optimization experience, but still they learn something new from us. At the same time, we have SEOs with two years of experience or six months of experience. They also learn in the same organization. So the thing is, when I create a case study or when I create a video tutorial or anything, even if a course, usually it satisfies some of the portion and it dissatisfies some other portion. That's why I started to create simple videos like five minutes, 10 minutes or 15 minutes with three direct instructions or suggestions 
And this is usually for the SEOs who like very simple things. I usually call it blue hat, like opportunist SEO. Yeah. yeah, because it was a concept actually when I was in the Black Hat uh, SEO co- in the casino niche, they were calling it blue hat. I remember it in that way. Money hat, it, yeah. Yeah, it means at least it meant in 2016-2017 opportunist SEO, which means that you get a quick hack, you implement and you see the instant benefit. So I started to publish these type of videos lately to also, let's say, help to the people that actually tell these things. Second thing is that, in my opinion, if someone tells that Koray has a blue hair and his blue hair is very, very shitty and his blue hair looks very bad. So the thing is, I would not even answer it because I don't have a blue hair. So most of the time, if someone tells something about someone, that person actually should first consider that whether it is the situation or whether it is the not the situation. The thing is that I don't have a blue hair. So that's why the answer that I am I will be giving to the, all these feedbacks, it will be a little bit of general feedback and it will include some suggestions. For instance, uh, when you, I also shared it with you too. For instance, James Dooley, he's someone mm-hmm. that actually I respect in the SEO field a lot. Very, very rich SEO at the same time, but he doesn't like to be mentioned that much. I hope he doesn't get angry since I mentioned him. I know him. him. Uh, we had nice times together. Yeah. And he, for instance, spent actually over 60 hours in the course that I created. He understood it. Then he actually realized that there is a deeper layer that we were explaining in that course. And right now, for instance, he even, even actually when, when I was in, in Birmingham, with his team or partners, they were asking new questions and they were also getting new value from there. When it comes to course, I created it actually over two years with eight beta testers. I created recreated it four times. And during this time, I published the case studies and I always told people that it won't be easy. Read the case studies or watch the videos or repeat actually these case studies so that actually you can understand the course. If you don't read the case studies, if you directly go to the course, still you will get some value there, I can tell, but understanding will be harder and you will need to repeat it three times or two times. But if you read all these things that I was doing over the two years, it will be very much easier too. So this is a general answer and suggestion. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the last part, the main thing is that when it comes to the search engine optimization, especially that interview, for instance, with Matt Degidi, mm-hmm was actually a very great uh, interview because Matt instructed me to keep everything simple as much as possible. That's why I created that formalization. Topical authority is equal to historical data multiplied with topical coverage. But when it comes to the historical data, it can have different meanings. For instance, you can have a website with 10 years and you can have a website with one year. Usually people assume that older the website gets, it's actually more authoritative or Basically, historical data is more there. But in my system, I usually check actually a search activity of the website. One year of website can actually have more historical data or more trust from the search engine compared to 10 years. When it comes to topical coverage, it means that cover the topic. But in what way? In a different page or in the same page, in a list or in a table? Corey, I want to stop here because I think you're doing exactly what people are saying they don't like in your content, which is... Not answering the question. My question was, what do you say to these people in terms of like understanding these things? And we're talking about topical authority now. <laughs> and you see, it's like, I think there's like, that's the problem. It's like going like your brain thinks a lot. It's like, I have a little bit of that sometimes when I do content and then you just jump from one topic to the other, but sometimes it's hard to follow. And so I think that's what these people mean when they talk about, oh, your content is difficult to follow. The thing is that 
when they said that actually it is complicated, they were saying the same thing for topical authority too. Three mm-hmm. years ago, they were telling that it wasn't working. Three years ago, they were telling that it is only for the Turkish websites. And again, three years ago, they were telling that topical maps is nothing, let's say, nothing that is working. Right now, it is a buzzword. Even they use it without understanding. We'll talk about that, but, actually. Like, I definitely yeah, want to talk about same, that. The same also is happening right now, too. We have new concepts that we are popularizing right now in our communities. Mm-hmm. And two, three years later, they will be the fundamental concepts as well. We try to explain the search engines, especially the new ways of the search engines, in a different way, too. So this is I understand, but like, you're spending lots of time creating content. Obviously, there's a large portion of the public that struggles getting it. Isn't that something you want to focus on to reach more people if you're spending this much time and effort? No, actually, I am not a, I am not a populist. So okay. the, thing is, the thing is that also in our community, we don't have these type of things. For instance, usually when you ask these things in, you, in YouTube or in your accounts, you basically have a link builder community. In my community, we usually people have, have a little bit linguistics background, for instance, or we have people that like reading long documents, whether it is coming from a search engine or whether it is coming from somewhere else. If I ask the same thing in my community, the large portion of the population will be saying something different. Or if I ask it in a somewhere else, they will be saying something different too. We also published actually our, a small version of our car course in Affiliate Lab as well. And there too, the videos were around, I guess, four hours. And again, there I kept the thing simple, actually, and it provided benefit to the course owners there. They like it, for instance. But when I take things into a deeper level, of course, some other level of people, they did not like it. And some others, they loved it more. Okay. I think the main argument for people is like, they think that sometimes you make things sound complicated, that would be simpler. But I would say, let's jump into the next section so that we can prove that wrong and talk about that. And the context is this. I am the dumbest SEO on earth, which is really not far from the truth. And you have I to make me understand, understand I'm the most that. stupid SEO on earth. And you have to make me understand topical authority and how it works, or your hands turn into feet. How do you explain yeah. topical authority to me? So basically, topical authority is decreasing the cost of search engine for a certain type of query network so that the search engine can understand your website faster in a cheaper way and they can actually use your website to satisfy the users, the search engine users. Mm -hmm. Because a search engine always tries to decrease the cost. And if your text is not clear to understand for their machines or for their algorithms, they will be spending more money or they will choose an alternate. In our system, the basic purpose there is outranking another website for a certain topic for a certain amount of time so that after the broad core algorithm update, we can replace it. And to be able to do that, we prioritize some certain type of topics first, then we start to add extra layers on that. Once we outrank that website, once we gain the trust of the search engine, after the core algorithm update, we directly replace that website. So you say you outrank it to replace it. What does that mean exactly? So for instance, in one of the websites that we actually published before, we actually competed against a Healthline or WebMD. The okay. purpose there was actually using the machine learning logic. Basically, we outrank them for scientific topics first. And basically, if a small website can outrank a global authority for certain amount of time, it helps search engine to trust the website for other connected topics in a faster way. So that's why we go for the most competitive or hardest queries first, mm. actually, 
Okay. Then we start to gain the trust of the search engine. And usually during the broad core algorithm updates, the search engine create a new prioritization. They redistribute the rankings. And since you, you actually has proven already your website to the search engine through the time with consistency, with high quality, it means that they can trust your website after the core update. The replace there means you will see in the next core update, I believe it will be happening maybe even this month soon, yeah. or very, very soon. And lots of websites will be just going to the bottom and lots of others will be replacing the, the yeah, other ones. Yeah, because they reevaluate sites basically, right? Yeah, basically a ranking we mm -hmm. actually call it. So how do you outrank Healthline in the first place to make this happen? That's the, the, the one million dollar question. We usually actually, when it comes to at least my methodologies, I am not against link building, by the way. Mm -hmm. I would like to use it actually from time to time. But the thing is that when you have a link and when you rank a website with the links, you will need to continue to have that links because you will link and the search engine will give you actually a higher ranking state. And then after a point that link echo or effect, let's say, will be going down, then you will need to add new links. You will need to build that links continuously from various different type of websites. In my methodology, I try to go with the semantics first because the search engines, they started to focus on, in, they call it indigenous, I will tell it basically internal. They started to focus on internal factors of websites to understand whether it is a real business or not, whether it is a real expert or not. Mm -hmm. Content itself can prove itself to the search engine, even if it doesn't have page rank anymore. So basically in that situation too, even if you have a global authority as a competitor to yourself, we create a small, I say small because we are small websites in this case, we create a small topical map. And in this case, it's all these things will be connected to each other, also to your brand. That one, for instance, that's Svalbard. It was a luxurious water brand. I worked on that website two, two and a half years ago. I even didn't touch it after that. So I even don't know what's going on there. But if you want to invest in money to the website, I'm on that spot. And basically there, the brand wanted to actually go to the business to consumer or direct to consumer okay. and they wanted to also compete against some other luxurious drink brands whether alcoholic whether non-alcoholic but to be able to connect everything to a luxurious water brand first i need to justify the price of the water and to be able to make the website an authority for a certain top type of topic which is water arctic water and luxurious water i need to focus on benefits and quality of the water when I go to the benefit and quality, I see Healthline, WebMD, or all these other health websites are there. If I am able to outrank them for this small section, the other sections that I will be going by will be very much easier. Because if you are outranking a main global authority, outranking others will be easier. This is also happening because search engines, they need to decrease the cost. Imagine that there is a query. I usually say query, but which means keyword. There is a keyword that you are trying to understand that, let's say 5 million documents you need to check as a search engine. And whenever you check a document, whether quality or not, imagine you spend $1. If you check mm -hmm. 5 million documents for a single query, it means you will need to spend $5 million as a search engine. If you find another way, imagine that you actually get, let's assume, highest page rank ones or with the ones with highest historical data, just 10 of them. You can check 10 of them. When it comes to the rest, you can just check the similarity. 
you don't need to compare them to query. You need to compare them to the top ranking ones. You're starting to lose me now. <laughs> it's like, I understand the smaller indexes. Basically, search engines build a smaller index because you know what, crawling the whole web for a given query is too expensive. So they'd rather build a, like a small index of like small, fewer sites and pick the best document within that Higher set. authority ones. Yeah, this yeah, is also yeah. said actually by Danny Sullivan once too. They say that they even don't put every website to the same type of server. They yeah, yeah, I can understand that, yeah. Yeah, they have three tiers of servers. And in the first tier, they put the most quality websites and they want to serve these websites better, which means that they spend and use their most quality algorithms also for understanding these websites. So our first purpose here is outranking these first quality websites so that we can be associated with them. So you want to be this tier one site, basically. You have tier one, tier two, tier three, and you're trying to be this higher tier, basically. They also say tier, by the way. Yeah, the, yeah. They also say tier one there. So basically our purpose there by using content, being associated with them and also outranking them. If you are outranking them, your website will be prioritized against others from other topics in a connected way too. Where does that come from? This specific concept of like, if you outrank them for one query, you will outrank them for other queries. It's directly coming from actually Google's own explanations. Again, Dennis Sullivan once in 2018, it should be. He said that, he directly says that actually. He says okay. that directly, I'm quoting as much as I can remember. He said that we realize that when we focus on certain topics and websites for these topics, it's easier to create more quality search engine result pages. The easier that means actually less costly because when you actually understand a topic and when you merge all the keywords to that topic and websites to that topic, you will get a few authority ones. Instead of dealing with 5 million websites, you will need to be dealing with just 50 yeah, websites. Way much faster, way much easier, way much less riskier too and in this case too if you want to prove yourself the search engine says something like this actually if i'm able to understand your content by using semantics by testing user behaviors in a less risky way they don't want to wait until one of the top authorities actually link you because links are actually an external factor. One more time telling, in Saigon's speech too, I also say it, in Birmingham, in Zakopane also, I say it too, I am okay with the links. I love links because I love SEO and link building is one of the most important parts of search engine optimization. But at the same time, when a search engine focuses on external factors, SEOs control them. Because when you actually link somewhere, search engine thinks that this website is quality, high page rank isn't equal to the real authorities, real experts, or real quality content. High page rank is just high page rank. That's why they started to focus on internal factors more. So I am here as a semantic SEO expert and one of the pioneers, and I was a PBN manager. I didn't want to learn data science or Python or semantics. To be honest, Google forced me to learn this. So it happened through the years. And whenever I see that actually these things are connected to each other, then we start to create a simpler methodology to go direct source of the rankings. Okay. It's a little clearer, but I think I want to go a little bit more practical after that. Uh, so we don't just stop uh, high level. I just wanted to like kind of like connect that to a remark that Brandon has done last week on the podcast. Basically, I talked to him about topical authority and he doesn't really believe in it. He basically says, well, 
anyone can publish anything about anything at this point, especially with AI. And it's mostly about external signals that people talk to you, talk about <coughs> you in a certain way that Google can like trust that because it's less gameable. It's gameable, obviously, like you can make, you can build links, you can do content, but it's easier to game on-site factors than it is mm -hmm. uh, off-site factors, basically. That was his logic. Yeah. Why would you reply to him? I definitely respect Brian and also any other SEOs too. The thing is that there is something that actually sometimes I don't get in the SEO field or the industry culture too. Everyone doesn't have to agree or everyone doesn't oh, have yeah, to do the sure. same thing. <laughs> so I am ranking websites by using semantics, he is ranking websites using some a different factor, which is okay. But I am calling myself as a holistic SEO. So I, am, I will be using external factors together with internal ones as well. And when it comes to topical authority, as I said, three years ago, majority of the industry didn't believe that. Even though mm -hmm. some of them actually blamed Matt, like this is Turkish website, it doesn't work, blah, blah, blah. Today, it became, as I say, a buzzword. You can find maybe even 500 topical map services around. And in that interview, sorry for saying this, I will close it quickly. I use the concept of topical map because Matt told me that it is a simple concept to understand. Okay. And then I, then I say that this is the first step. Just create a topical map, determine what topics you will process, in what way, in what order, and continue from there. Then it became a kind of main focus of the thing. But there are many other areas there. So when it comes to topical authority section, it is directly stated by Google, but I also don't believe in Google that much. So try to actually use maybe programmatic SEO if you want to see the proof, because programmatic SEO is very simple to do and low cost. Open a new website, then semantically connected, never semantically connected way, target a query template. It might be how to queries, it might be what type of information queries, it might be a certain type of disease, and you can only focus on, let's say, the symptoms. Yeah, like create can you cure template. something, for example, and yeah, just, put just all create the a template and go for it and try to see how long it actually goes. Just try these things. You don't always have to listen to influencers, including me. I also don't define myself actually as an influencer because influencers, they usually try to be liked. I am trying to innovate, and innovation usually creates these type of, let's say, reverse feedbacks, and I'm okay with that. So in Brian's situation too, I respect his idea, but it is actually working. Maybe one day we can check it together with him, and he can tell his own opinion. He can tell that, look, you tell that this is topical authority, but there are other things here that is happening, and then I can explain the background. It actually happened in my first SEO case study the for topical authority. Someone told that there is an edu link. I published four websites, but one of them apparently had an edu link. The problem was that that link was from 2018. The, the case study was from 2020, as much as I can remember. Mm -hmm. So if they believe that actually after two years, that specific link helped for ranking for all these queries and getting for 1 million clicks, it's okay. a bit hard to believe that. And That's that link for one link, yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so that link was also a job advertisement for a university it wasn't like the yeah, direct yeah. link so different interpretations will always exist and it should be that's what i was trying to say at the beginning of the podcast there are different sides and we're trying to consult them you know it's like but the debate is important if you want things to move forward and i think uh, i think it's important to confront ideas and talk about this like you talk about topical maps and you talk about topical authority like how is that different from essentially the traditional more traditional vision of like seo silos and uh, content clusters etc like how do people differentiate from like the idea of like, well, I'm creating that category with like all posts related to that category versus topical authority. So when it comes to the traditional SEO, everyone has a different type of traditional SEO yeah. definition, but I will accept the mainstream of it. 
So first of all, in our system, we don't just get actually certain type of queries or keyword phrases from mm-hmm. Hrefs or SEMrush, and we don't distribute them randomly to do our content just for creating relevance. In our system, rather than creating the relevance, actually, we order, let's say, we first generate questions for from these keywords. But after a point, even if there is not that word or phrase or that concept in that query or keyword list, still we put it actually inside the content. This is one of the differences. Second difference is that we don't focus on search volume that much too. We usually focus on creating actual a knowledge base or relational database by defining every single thing in the best possible way so that we can actually cover everything and we can be responsive to the every possible keyword that can appear in that area. The third thing is, rather than the keyword gap, we focus on actually information gap. When it comes to the fourth difference in that area, in our system, the sentence structures is not random. You can tell, for example, this example already became a little famous in Saigon. I said that a family can achieve financial independence thanks to a financial advisor or another sentence, a financial advisor can help a family to achieve financial independence. Both of the sentences actually say the same thing. But if you actually parse this sentence like a natural language processing machine does, you will realize that the specific words weight, term weight there will be different. In one of them, financial advisor will be the most important word. In one of them, actually family will be the most important one. If the queries has actually, let's say, financial advisor mainly, we directly put these things to the beginning part. Another difference is that I have actually over 200 rules for article writing. Let's say I don't implement all of them, but majority of them actually helps. For instance, simple one, the modality has to match. If the question says should, can, or something like that, let's say must, answer will need to use that too. If the question has a certain type of template, like how to run faster, the answer will start by saying to run faster. The purpose there is actually matching the question phrases to the beginning part of the answer as well. And like this actually, different type of rule sets, we directly have that. And one more thing is, when it comes to the topical maps, most of the time we have a core section there. The core section is for making money, mainly. For monetization topics, we focus on that. Then we have an author section. The author section is actually for getting more impressions and more rankings, and all of them actually link the core section back. The purpose there is flowing all the ranking signals, quality signals, and let's say the page rank to the monetization section as much as possible. But we define all these things without even starting. For instance, let's say I will start an SEO project tomorrow. I can actually design 400 articles for every heading for every paragraph, for every list, for every anchor text, or even the word count of in the anchor text, places of the anchor text, I can even define which word will appear in what paragraph, in what order. After I design all these things, then we'll start to actually write. So before we finish the design, we don't start the job. I actually wanted to do that. So the next step is actually, let's imagine we both want to start a website together. We want to start a site, like I'll let you pick the niche. I put, uh, I usually, I picked on my notes, I picked uh, DSLR camera reviews. Let's say we want to start a site that reviews that and we aim to make money by ranking for best DSLR four plus whatever, but um, for VS keywords. So like model one versus model two. Alternative let's say, queries versus queries. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like these three, like let's say we want to do that. 
How do we follow your model and how do we plan our website? What's step one? The first thing is that since you mentioned actually a specific type of DSLR camera is the main thing that you are trying to review and also be a partner for selling it and mm -hmm. for making the money. In this case, I will need to use lexical semantics. I will need to go upper section, which, which means that you have a certain type of camera, but in your main entity, you have the camera too. I will need mm -hmm. to go for other types of cameras. This is information section. I will need to process other types of cameras. Then I will need to compare all of them to the one that you are focusing on. I will need to write these versus sections as well. And I will need to always be suggesting actually that specific camera. What do you write this? Like you write this on every page or you write this on a page? No, on the different. They will be different most of okay. the time. And at the same time, I will need to find all the manufacturers for that specific type of camera. Then I mm -hmm. will need to also compare all these manufacturers to each other. And also I will need to create versus and the alternative sections as well. One more section is the concept of camera man, because the word camera will, will be able to be evolved to do that specific other concept easily. And I will need to be also process the using section, but not just how to use DSLR camera, DSLR, because yeah. the thing is, sorry, no the thing is, sometimes to be able to get enough level of historical data from the same user cluster, you will need to focus on the topics that don't mention your main entity, but it will be connected. You can find the topic easily, like how to use the camera in a really, really easy way, or how to use underwater camera, or how to use water underwater, let's say, or sorry, how to use the camera under the water, or these type of topics. Okay. But sometimes the product that you have chosen, it might not have enough level of search demand for these type of question sections, I mean. If there is the search demand, it is okay. But if I am able to create a page for how to use DSLR camera, I will be going for other types as well. I will need to be covering actually all these specific variations as long as there is a search demand for them. So we have to do all of that before we even start creating reviews. Yes, basically we create all the specific heating structures, heating levels, anchor tags, and also the paragraph designs. So it like becomes your site structure basically, right? Like you kind of have like Every brands on one side and you have like how to use, etc. Yes, everything. And the purpose there is following all the ranking signals from all these various topics to the one that you have chosen as mm. much as possible. And there are a few more things there because in our structure, sometimes we choose the more quality pages, which means some pages will need to be most quality compared to others. We directly put them to the homepage directly, like 20 to 25 articles. They are like unnecessarily quality in terms of unique images or in terms of amount of details or the uniqueness. We usually use them for convincing the search engine because other competitors or alternatives, they won't have this type of level of detail. It helps search engine crawlers to look further to your website because once they see that after crawling your homepage, they see that most of the articles are quality, they continue to check. So you're buying crawl budget here. Basically, otherwise they would not necessarily spend a lot of resources on your site and you feed them high quality. So they're like, oh, okay, I'm willing to invest a bit more resources yeah. into that it's website. It's convincing, early convincing, let's say. Okay. And we usually connect all these most quality ones to the main entity and main product that you directly have chosen, actually. There are other generic parts there too. If, I don't know, use purposes there is different. An influencer can use it. Let's say an art director can use it. Maybe advertisement company can also use that too. And according to this, you can check the search demands and you can create some subsections. Usually, if there is not enough search demand for some sections, let's say advertisement company can use it, but there is not that much search demand. I usually gather all these things together and I try to cover all page. of them under the same page. I was going to uh, ask, yeah. writing, 
alternative ways of or 40 different ways of using etc. who should use a dslr camera and then you just put like advertisers something i covered them there if we have budget i can also go for advertisement topic advertisement cameras or different uh, type that of was set. kind of my question it's like this is a lot of pages like it takes a long time mm -hmm. to create a site like that like like obviously not everyone can create like 300 pages at once like how do you prioritize the order of things it's nice. When it comes to the prioritize, that's why I say there is a course section and there is an author section. The course okay. section is, is the prioritized section of the topical map and it only focuses on the, ver the section that you can monetize, which means actually your main entity, that camera or that camera's types or alternative ways of using it. But didn't you it, say we create the rest before and then we link it back to the core uh, thing? So do we create first the core, reviews or first uh, the other The core has to come first because okay. the thing is, if you publish your author section first, your website's topic is relevant that, yeah. will be for yeah. something else and you want to bring it back to the area you to target. So you'd recommend an affiliate site, for example, focuses very much on publishing reviews and, and roundups, etc. at the beginning to establish the theme and then expand after it's like the core is done. Basically, yeah. And one more suggestion is, for instance, right now you have seen actually websites. I public, I shared them with you. One of them is a glasses company, for instance. Mm -hmm. And in that one, for example, we go for these type of things: types of glasses frames, types of glasses lenses. But I delayed types of lenses because okay. types of lenses. You also have the camera lenses. You have periscope lenses. You have different type of many lenses there. I can't directly go there. But why right do you now, stop? Like you could go forever, like you could literally go back to the it's Big Bang the on the every things. topic, right? It's one of the things because that's why actually you will need a well-defined map and well-defined borders and prioritizations because there is no end. Many mm -hmm. people actually, they don't know what to prioritize or after what point exactly. they should that's a challenge. Stop. So in that situation too, you should first check your competitor actually. And of course you will need to create that difference. If you are just 5% quality, then your competitor as a search engine, I would not bother myself to take that cost to be honest. But if you create a really huge difference with the internal factors directly, it can help you to actually outrank your competitor after a broad core algorithm update. Before the core update, don't expect that much. It's you okay. can increase your rankings until a certain point before the core update, but search engine will always keep you there. They won't allow you to go further. After the core update, you can directly skyrocket. I agree. It feels like between core updates, you're basically playing within a corridor. You know, like your traffic can go yeah, up and yeah. down within that Perfect. corridor. And yeah. you just move up or down of tier, you know, when yeah, it happens, actually, you know? In Saigon, I explained, but I... As I say, people tell that I am complicating, but let me explain this way. I actually have a concept like ranking state. Ranking okay. state, simple. Ranking state means that a search engine actually puts you in a certain type of ranking state and you can continue to gradually decrease your rankings for six months. Even if you fix everything in your website, yeah, yeah. you will continue to lose the traffic. And in the opposite, if you are in a positive ranking state, even if you break everything in your website, still you will continue to gain the traffic because that decision has been given by a ranking algorithm already. There is also something that I call ranking scale. You call it corridor, like a kind yeah. of ranking corridor. You go there. I call it actually ranking scale because search engine doesn't allow you to exceed it or they don't also allow you to go bottom of it. But after the core update, they put you a new corridor. Actually, yeah. corridor is better. I can change my... <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> so the thing is, English is not always my main language and yours too. And yeah, yeah. sometimes 
sometimes I think these type of things, I conceptualize them to communicate faster. I think that's one of your challenges. I think it's like some of your ideas, I find them interesting, but sometimes they're expressed in a way that's difficult to grasp for people and they could be simplified. I think that's why one of the reasons people are sometimes have a beef with your content, basically. Yeah. You're right. Okay. So let's say, so how do you decide, let's say we've done our core content on our camera site. How do I decide what, like I can create 10 pages this month. How do I decide the 10 pages I create? Ah, okay. So you ask a question about momentum. Exactly. Okay. So usually I call momentum as publication, also update frequency. So the main trick there is if you are able to update and publish more than your competitors for a certain amount of timeline, you will be prioritized for indexing and also the crawl rate. And most of the time, the crawl rate is correlative with your rankings. There are various reasons for that. And usually that's why my case studies are so long because I need to prove and I need to get all these patents or research papers and Google explanations to create a kind of baseline of evidence to explain this. To keep things simple, I won't go to do that research papers, but basically I tell that whenever you are able to increase your publication frequency, you will see a more positive ranking state. To be able to determine that, usually I scrape the sitemap of my competitor, then I check their last mode. According to the last mode or last modification date, I am able to see how many pages they are actually publishing for let's say last three months or per seven days and usually in what day they are actually publishing. Once I get that frequency, I am trying to go at least 30% of it. So it depends on your competitor. Another thing is that when let's say I created 400 documents, I publish most of the time, I publish 30 or 20 of them at the same day, suddenly. The purpose that, again, these 30 or let's say 30 or 20, as you remember, I called the most quality ones, right? If you check the, my, the websites that I have sent you, you will always see that there is a blog post grid at the homepage, at the bottom mm. part, most of the time. They are the most quality ones, actually. I put them to the homepage suddenly and directly. So there is a trick there, and I guess people will find it a little bit useful and because it's simple. Let's say your website has 5 million pages, if you publish 20 more, it doesn't matter because you just increase your website size just one percent, and yeah, the search engine won't even site, yeah. won't, search engine won't even recognize it. It's the same site. That's why before I start to publish anything with any frequency, I decrease the total URL count. This is mm. also useful since you are a link building master. You know that <laughs> if you have less pages, you have higher page, page rank, rank yep. per page. Yep. Which means that my new content will have higher page rank, higher rankability. And that's why you link it from the homepage as well, because the homepage has the most links. Because I want to pass all the page rank, ranking yeah. signals, and I want to give overall topicality and the connections for them. I start with 20 because I decrease URL count, which means the 20 there might mean 15 or 20% of the website is new. Mm. If you change 20% of your website in a single day, and if all the change that you did is quality, search engine has to reevaluate you because you changed 20% of your website. It's a big change. You have to, they have to redefine you. So you stand to you, move more up or down in the next core update, basically. Like they requalify yes, you, right? Because if they use the past historical data, it is one of the things. Imagine that your website was shitty for the last 10 years and yeah, you start yeah. to be just quality with 20 articles for the last two months and there is a core update just next month. Don't expect that much. 
You need to first clean most of these things. Then with that clean section, make most important portion of your website with a big percentage, more quality. And suddenly, suddenly section is important. If you don't do it suddenly, they might not realize it. To be able to communicate with these search engines or their systems, you need to use big differences in a sudden way. Sometimes I break the websites. Let's say I publish things. It didn't work. I just remove heater and heater and the footer menu. Then I just I break that, the yeah. CSS. I break the CSS. And the search engine just actually needs to reevaluate it. Then I fix the CSS, put some of the other branding sections, and website starts to rank better compared to the previous timeline. This is also happening a lot when you change your team in WordPress. Not because the new team is better. Let's say you are using a WordPress team. I've seen that before. Let's say five articles are ranking really good, five others don't. When you change the team, you can realize that previously ranking articles stop ranking and the previously not ranking ones might rank higher even because you have given them a chance of re-evaluation and according to the latest scores, your specific content might not be good for later published content. Whenever you force search engine for checking your content, they will assign a ranking score or possible quality assignment according to the latest situation. So that's why, basically, or in short, I first decrease the URL count, I put the most important content to the homepage directly, I publish them suddenly according to the competitors, I adjust my momentum. Okay, I think that's pretty clear now. Well, yeah, I think we agree. Try my best, believe me, yeah. to, to not be <laughs> Yeah, I know, you're talking to the most stupid SEO in the world, so you know, it's like you go to try hard, you know? <laughs> do you use any tools to create your topical maps? Is there any tools that you recommend? Or like, how do you, what's the process to find the topics in there? So there are two, two things there. Personally, I don't use, I even don't check sometimes the queries that much because after a point you will feel the search engine. And second thing is that topical authority is not always about topics. I say that in Birmingham too. For instance, how to. How to is not a topic. It is a query yeah. template. But if you are able to rank for one million how to query, you will be able to rank very much easier to the next one. And all these how to queries are from different topics. So the purpose there is actually satisfying certain type of queries from a topic, from a format. Wiki or let's say Wiki from how is a, that, for example? It's yeah. like how to... That, or versus, or just yeah. the versus, versus yeah. X versus Y. You can also go with that too. Yeah. So that's why usually I try to understand the search engine and I implement most of these things manually. But let's say you are a new beginner. You can try to use even a little bit hrefs, for instance. You can just take the queries and cluster these queries according to topicality. Let's assume, but according to the tool that you are using, all the clusters will be changing again. And then you will need to check these things according to the Google, which will be actually spending more time. One more thing is the search engine changes the topics as well. A topic is relevant to this topic right now. Next month, it might not be relevant anymore that much. All these things are dynamic because search engines learn topics from the current authorities. And if they add extra links to their authority pages, two things might be more relevant now, or suddenly one of the, let's say, four best or some of the most important ones, <laughs> they might start to create some occurrences between certain type of phrases and search engine might assume that, okay, yeah. these are relevant and it can change your state there too. So that's why I try to not leave any gap. Even if, for example, in one website in the course, it's a visa website, even the Ukrainian war, I am saying this by saying I am sorry, but even the Ukrainian war, help website to rank higher. 
because whenever you have a trending topic in your mm. website, you will be ranking higher. Ooh, because like in this case, we actually covered everything for the country, for Ukraine. And since there is a war and there is search demand, it helped also for other documents for ranking higher too. Okay. It didn't happen before, it happened after the war. So all these things are a little bit coincidence focused. That's why I try to leave any gap for any topic while processing these things. I have a theory around that that I'd like you to validate or deny if you want. And that's like a lot of SEOs kind of struggle becoming true authorities because they rely too much on keyword tools and they don't necessarily cover topics that are trendy in their niche right now because keyword tools have so much like. So the example I give, for example, in our video is uh, Apple Vision Pro. You know, Apple released this uh, virtual reality headset. If you put Apple Vision Pro in Ahrefs, yeah. there's 20 volume. There's nothing. <laughs> uh, right. It's like the biggest device they've released in the last 10 years, the biggest company in the world. Right. It's like biggest thing. So if you're an SEO and you do keyword research for and you have an Apple site, let's say, or a computer site or whatever, and you don't cover the Apple Vision Pro, it doesn't make sense looking at a keyword tool, but Google has all that real time data and they know exactly what people yeah. are searching for and what people are talking for as they index the content. Yeah. And so you miss authority by being too much of an SEO and focusing on the tools due to their Definitely. delay and lacking data. So like, would you say that it's something that that's how people need to think basically, like Definitely. connect to the live stream of data? There is one more thing there. Some SEOs that I know, they even play with the search demand or search volume data. Yeah, of yeah, they, they cheated, yeah, and yeah. they force other SEOs to create articles about certain I things. know because there's a lot of funny queries about me and Mark actually that people are doing against <laughs> us. So I definitely know. And people yeah, actually write articles about that now, now about us. It's like yeah. absolutely not. There's no search volume. They just cheated the, the whole search volume. Anyway, uh, I think we're going to close it here for Topic on Us. Before we jump onto how you create content, we're just going to have a quick word from our sponsor. Wouldn't it be amazing if you could start a website today and rank on top of Google for lucrative keywords just a few months from now, completely skipping the sandbox? That's what we've done with our latest six-figure exit. It was started on an edge domain and it started to rank for big keywords just a few weeks after we put it online, allowing us to completely skip that one-year period where your new sites don't really rank for anything. And that's exactly what you can achieve with Odys.Global, the marketplace where you can buy and sell edge domains. All the domains you find there have not dropped, which means they're unlikely to have their link profile reset by Google. The domains are also strictly vetted by the Audis team, so you don't have low quality or spammy URLs in there. Plus, you can even connect with a mentor that will help you pick the perfect domain for your next project. So if you're interested, head over to audis.global, click on the Get Started button, fill the form, and you're just minutes away from being able to buy some of the best age domains on the internet. And now, back to the interview. So. Corey, now let's say we've done our topical map and we need to work on creating content. And you said you have, you mentioned how you structure your sentences and all of that, mm -hmm. and how the main topic of the sentence, for example, is important. So it's not the complement, it's the main topic. How do you brief your writers? What info do you give them and yeah. how do you outsource your content? So uh, this is one of the really good questions because many people ask me that. You create a topical map for 400 pages, but who mm -hmm. is writing it? Because <laughs> exactly. many, many SEOs get a hard time to create it. But the thing is, when you standardize everything with a certain type of rule set, the article production speed is increasing and the cost is decreasing. Because my writers or authors or also the teams that I train for, they always follow certain rules. For instance, if there is a how to question, every list item will start with an instruction, run or understand or divide, etc. And the second word will be the specific noun that we are focusing in. Let's say the question is how to create a newsletter and we start to give instructions. 
First thing is using certain type of predicates. Second thing is we use actually certain type of attributes or the same entity. And in every instruction, let's say... Just a question. What is an entity? Because many people don't know what this is. Of course. So in many times they are defined as same with the topics. Every entity can be also a topic. It might be Cristiano Ronaldo. It might be also suppose or the marriage of the Cristiano Ronaldo as well. Mm -hmm. And when you also have different types of entities, let's say a country. And this question is nice because it's connected to your previous one. Mm -hmm. Let's say you have a country, which means that it is a type of entity, which means every country has certain type of attributes, language, population, grand assembly, laws. And in this case, if I'm able to create a really quality one document for one country, my authors actually repeat the same for the next 196 countries, which actually decreases the amount of thinking, amount of research all the time. And we really go really, really same fast. Same if you review cameras, right? There's a certain the specs for the camera, right? Like how big is the sensor? Like uh, how much can I zoom, etc.? Things like that, right? Definitely. And that section brings us another concept that people maybe complain because some countries always have certain type of attributes. It's true. I call these root attributes, which means every country has it, like a language. Mm-hmm. But also there are some unique attributes. For example, let's say Hagia Sophia. Hagia Sophia is an attribute of Turkey and it only exists in Turkey. It's a unique one. So for certain type of countries, I tell my team, let's say, find seven unique attributes like this according to the queries context. If the queries are about tourism, they find attributes for tourism and they place them. I try to simplify. Mm-hmm. There are also rare queries. Rare means it's not unique but it is rare compared to others. For example, some countries have the state of war. It's rare. I am lucky. We are lucky that it's rare. And in this case, you can't go for tourism attributes, right? Because no one wants, there is no war tourism. We are lucky that this is a superstitious thing in Turkey. (laughs) It means God saves us. So basically, for these type of situations, we classify attributes, then we prioritize them. And we distribute them to content. What do you give your writer? What does your writer receive? First, I create the first template by myself. So you make an article? Uh, Yes, I create the first template by myself. Then I tell them that if this is there, change this section like this. The same also goes for, for example, the... So it's variables. Yes, variables. And in, in Saigon, I say that find a knowledge base with three trillion entities. Because there are these type of knowledge bases with three trillion entities and also triples. A triple means that there is an entity, there is an attribute, and there is a predicate between the attribute and entity. Is it complicated again? This one is already complicated. You think you need to simplify that? I will. So let's say Tom Hanks acted in Green Road, right? It was Green Mile. Green Mile. So Tom Hanks is the entity, acted Mm -hmm. in is the predicate, and Green Mile is the actually the subject that is affected from the entity. This is a triple, basically. Okay, makes sense. In this case, imagine that search engine does something like this. They get Tom Hanks and all the possible predicates that can appear after the Tom Hanks. Okay. According to that, the third part, third part is changing because after you say acted in, yeah. this has to be a movie, which means you will get all the movies. You reduce and the third, uh, like the, the second determines the, the range of possibilities of the yeah, third. definitely. And let's say the predicate becomes, I'm not sure whether he got a divorce but mm-hmm. or married, let's say. Tom Hanks married. 
the options already actually uh, now it's people like you have, need to have yeah. people on the other yes. side unless it is about the Tom Hanks in the movie because there mm. are these type of nuances there that's, too that's tricky now <laughs> so basically that this is a triple and imagine that you have a knowledge base with three trillions of triples like this okay and the next step is using artificial intelligence a little bit also programmatic SEO and imagine that you use all these triples to the turn them into yeah. the content in a connected way and it is the next level of SEO actually so you have a template you have variables and then you go fish for the variables in the database that is the knowledge base yeah. and you fill in the blanks and then you have a new article for a new topic yes. basically and the best side since you have high level of momentum the search uh -huh. engine prioritizes you one trick there is, if you go so fast, I also explained in my Saigon speech in SEO Master Summit, I have shown some real examples with Google Search Console. They give you manual penalty and they will yeah. drop you to zero. That's what I see for AI content sites, right? They just climb, 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 and bam, they just, yeah. they just fall, right? If you are in Indonesia and Brazil, you might be luckier. But in English language, it is usually happening in that way. Even if you have an expired domain, they find a way of uh, preventing that. Yeah, and I think there's an indexing rate limiting that's happening as well, right? It's like it's quite hard yeah. when you publish lots of yeah. pages to get them indexed. Definitely. It goes faster too. Yeah. And one more thing is the reason that we go so deep in the SEO and the reason that also it confuses people is that imagine this. We are, let's say, 100 people. You have yeah. the same knowledge base. You have the same triples with me, okay? We, yeah. we all have Tom Hanks or Angela Julie or these type of things. Then we both have the same computer, same VS code, same server, and let's say same website design even. Mm -hmm. The main difference will be coming from the sentences. It will be coming from the headings that we are choosing or internal link design. Because if you have 1 million web pages, even if you optimize it for 0.1% better compared to your competitor, it will be multiplied for 1 million pages. And you can outrank your competitor with these small, small micro optimizations. And that's why usually we try to understand them because in the future we will be printing websites. We are already doing it, but in the future it will be more automated thanks to artificial intelligence. Yeah. And we will need to optimize these small things. And it's the reason. And if you don't want to go that deep, it's okay too. But don't you think that links are going to be a bigger differentiator than these tiny optimizations? Like, don't you think sometimes it's like tinkering with it? A little bit too much? Right now, for this age, yes. But after three years, I believe uh, these things will be pretty simple because I see that this is my at least uh, mm -hmm. guess. But in 2024 and 2025, I expect lots of SEO agencies and some content businesses go bankrupted, unfortunately. I think a lot this of content businesses took the hit already. Like from already, seen, yes. Yeah. Because of AI. And the reason for that is, even though you know, you know that there are really, really big billion dollars of value content businesses on this planet mm -hmm. like red ventures yep. which owns etc yeah. even they can get hit by these type of smart ai users and programmatic ways users so right now yes you don't have to go this deep because it didn't start yet but okay. once the proper things start things will be really different so basically writing is going to be easy so like the micro optimization game is going to be the differentiator that's pretty much what you're saying it's the only difference or you will need to buy links. lots of links the, yeah. but the place that you buy the links it can get hit too another ai by another but what AI about website. building a brand for example having lots of branded queries is, having all of that. Is that isn't that going to be a big deal very important so for this speech i won't talk about patents yeah. but let's say 
there are some direct mentions and suggestions for having brand search demand. Even mm-hmm. if you don't have that quality content, if you have a direct brand name in the search queries a lot with different variations, it helps you to actually protect your website a lot because it means that you have a value for the people. So your brand definitely can actually protect you. I also have seen it in the broad core algorithm updates. For instance, in 2020, it was the, I believe, the most devastating, age of the most devastating core updates. It was pretty rough at the time. (laughs) Yeah. And even PayPal actually lost one of them. But after three weeks, PayPal came back. Mm. And I believe that if PayPal wouldn't have that brand search demand, they would not be able to come back. They would stay at the bottom. So your brand search demand, it will be helping people to click on you all the time. And also they are searching you because imagine that 30 million people search you, but you are not on SERP. Yeah. yeah. It's a huge if problem. Google becomes Google. a bad search engine and then it's like, it's not good. Yeah. For they have to give what people want and yeah, what yeah. they search for. So it will be protecting you. So that's why creating a brand is the yeah. real stuff for the future. And I think well. that's where we go back to like different way of doing things. Like some people in the age of AI, they'll be building more of a brand. Some people will do this micro optimization of content and some people will go for backlinks basically. Yeah. We will have new departments, yeah, new exactly. challenges, new definitions. And that's why my concepts are also new too, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. But uh, one thing that I saw in one of the interviews is like you say you don't want writers to give their opinions in articles. You're like, yeah. give me the facts, nothing else. But doesn't that go directly against the expectations expectations from Google these days? So there are two sections there. Again, I am not going into the patents, but mm-hmm. there is one. It says that opinion-based article writing, and they were using it as special for news. Because mm. in, if it is a news SEO, search engine wants you to actually give your opinions there and they label the content. But even that specific paper, they directly say that, put the facts in a different place than opinions. Even if I, I tell see. them to give your expertise or experience mm. or your own opinion, I tell that put it in a different paragraph. Facts go somewhere and let's say the opinions go somewhere else. And even if I use the opinions, for instance, if you search for uh, any kinds of product review related query, like let's say best camera or best DSL yeah. camera, you will see some product panels. I call them product panel. I don't know how people call it. Like I knowledge see. panel, yeah, but give it, the specs, gives, yeah. Yeah, it gives specs and the reviews. And search engine always bolds the adjectives, like too lo- no- noisy or too loud, too fast or very quality material. But whenever there is a hype word like very or too, let's say, yeah. they get that part and they get it's, the adjectives. It's subjective. Because the yeah. thing is, this can't be factual. Because it might be very yeah. noisy for you, but well, for me, it's too loud. Very... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it is not the topic of the fact, actually. In the news mm. SEO event in last year, I actually made a speech in my slot share. I have it too. I actually talk about their opinion-based article ranking. And there I also define another concept. I am sorry. Truth ranges. I will okay. give the simple definition. Go for it. The truth range, it goes like this. Let's say I ask you, how is the weather today? Not a factual question. You can tell that too bad. Usually too bad means too cold. But after mm. what Celsius or Fahrenheit, it is too yeah. cold. We don't know Subjective, it. Yeah. Search engine also doesn't know it too. So that's why they create a range. If I ask you what is the best temperature for cooking chicken? Again, it is a little factual, a little not because taste is different. Mm-hmm. But there will be always a range according to the top authorities. 
Gestapo authorities will tell you that maybe sleeping between four and six hours is best for, I don't know, libido, maybe. I, I'm not making things up right now. That's not a lot of sleep. <laughs> yeah. So basically, whenever they see these answers, they mm -hmm. change the range of truth. And I yeah. always tell my authors also, even if you give your opinion, stay in the consensus. Don't go outside of it. Okay. Yeah, Google does that. The consensus stuff, especially with medical updates, right? Medical update was like all like pushing consensus and it's like, let's not probably push anything harmful onto the search, yeah. right? So if you had anything like alternative health or whatever, you got slammed, like drx.com, et cetera, they got slammed. Yeah. Because they were uh, also, health. the same happened a lot during the COVID pandemic because yeah, yeah, exactly. any, website, any website that tells that vaccines are bad in the news industry, they all are wiped out, for example. But I, it's quite interesting what you said about the feature box, because like I was going to give you an example of a website like The Verge, for example, the way they write their reviews is actually mixing stats and perspective. So, for example, they'd be like, oh, this new MacBook Pro yeah. has this M2 Pro chip, which is which felt a lot cooler when I was touching it because it has a better cooling system. See, it states a fact, the feature, better yeah. cooling system was like, oh, it felt a lot cooler experience. So I guess you yeah. can do that in a copy of the article, but they do have that spec sheet thing that you mentioned as well. So I can see how you can satisfy both, basically. Definitely, because the thing is that imagine, I also told this because in again, I have given you actually an example of programmatic website. It is actually a business review directory okay. the problem of the, we also use ai and programmatic ways in that website and it was a website that has been hit in 2020 updates uh, core updates and we brought it back and the thing is that uh, there the, the website is not only for reviews because of the name of the website it is mainly focused by complaints not the reviews because the website, I can't tell the name, I believe, it's complaintsboard.com. Okay. Since the, we always have the complaints on the website, even the Google, even the Microsoft, even in the best companies have just one star, which is one of the problems there. Because if you go to the, some other review websites, you will see higher stars. And even there, actually, we try to fix it. Because there too, you're, you are basically, let's say you have 50,000 businesses in your review website, 49,000 of them has have the one star, which means there is something wrong in your website in this yeah, case, yeah. and it doesn't help people too. So that's why we try to fix these type of things as well by deleting some angry sections, two angry sections. As, uh, as it's also the reputation, right? Trust in the Google search quality rater guideline, like they talk a lot about reputation. So it's like, if you have traces of negative reputation, that might affect your trust factor in EAT. And that's literally the most important there, actually. It has to. I usually give this example for that. Once I was working with a very famous franchise of restaurants, and the yeah. problem is that there was a scandal. <laughs> Very, very, very big scandal, but it helped for higher rankings because due to the scandals, we were in the news and everyone searched for our brand name and everyone also linked us. Since we were getting free links, free mentions, free search demands, yeah, yeah, yeah. even if it is negative, we, we rank higher. But this was like 2019. And after a point, they mm. start to get the sentiments of the specific links. And for example, we have a link, but if you have a negative sentiment around the link, it doesn't mean that actually it will help you to rank higher too. Okay. That's why I believe meaning of the link or meaning around context, the link, yeah. Yeah. The, the, yeah, context basically, it is more important than before. Yeah, okay. I think I kind of agree with that. At least they would probably cancel the link. I'm not sure they would make it negative because that would be too easy to game, but they would probably like not count the value or something. I think that makes sense. So Definitely. we talked a lot about entities in content. What is your feeling towards tools like Surfer? SEO on page tool, etc. Like, do you feel that like does it feel like like a, a, a baby, a toy, a toy for you basically compared to the way you write content or like? And how would you fix it if you don't like it? Personally, I didn't use them, but I am not against these type of tools 
tools either because let's say you have a very big agency you yeah. will need these type of tools let's say you have a very big team you will need these type of tools you will need very simple sops like go yeah, check exactly. at these etc you can train everyone like it is your best 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 team or a player you will need some simple pipelines to handle these things so My opinion is that it is not for the best state, but it is really good for handling some initial steps in a quick way with, let's say, pipelines or some frameworks. And it might be really helpful for uh, people too. One more benefit is it visualizes. Mm -hmm. Many things that I explain, it is abstract and it helps exactly. it a little bit. It's hard for people to imagine it, even if they don't see it on the search console or if they don't see it directly in the, let's say, crawl data of the search engine. But the, these tools, they visualize these differences, these changes multi, many times in a, with a very simple, quick click. So that's why it helps people to also understand and onboard it with the process of SEO as well. It's like, and I guess you would recommend that to like non-experienced writers, etc. To It's kind of like a training wheel, right? Yeah, it's it's very good actually for training. For instance, when I train some of the new writers, I usually use, I'm not affiliated with them, but I use text razor. Okay. Because even if the demo of the text razor, it helps for them to understand word compositions, which means which word is connected to which word I in see. what way. And what entity is there? Or what are the categories or overall topicality of the text? For instance, once the topic was actually fridge, I guess you call it, right? Fridge, the the food storage that we use on the, on the houses. It's yeah, fridge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know my English, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, Basically, it was about the fridge, but the author talk about all the types of foods and how to freeze them and how it affects their nutrients. And the article became about diet and dieting or feeding yourself. It didn't became about the fridge or technology or the review. So these type of tools help you to actually understand overall topicality, overall prioritization of the topic. And according to that, you can try to prioritize some sections and delay some other areas. Because sometimes, let's say electric bike review, sometimes they talk about electric bike at the top of the page and in the middle ground, they talk about only battery and the range only. Battery types, ranges, etc. And electric bikes don't appear that much. And the most bottom part, they go for the price of the batteries again. Mm. So it is a little bit problematic. Because of the batteries, not bikes, yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah, the article is about electric bikes mainly. So if we would have the batteries mainly in the title, we will go for that in different place. So that's why I use sometimes concepts like macro context, which means the first thing that they give in the article, and it has to continue with that. You always need to stay on that stay topic. Stay on topic, basically, yeah. Like, don't go off topic. And on that specific context as much as possible. If you want to link somewhere else, try to include both of them in your heading and also include your anchor text in the heading as well. And the anchor I, text... I don't understand that part. What do you mean exactly? Imagine that you have a heading here. Yeah. Yeah. Let's say. And there is an anchor text in the paragraph. That anchor text, let's say electric mountain electric bike. Mountain electric bike, if it is the anchor text, it should also appear in your heading. I see. So and like it's like, oh, this link goes to oh, this is the title of the next page. Anchor text should also appear in your title. Okay. And the targeted page, I mean. Yeah, so it's very clear for the search engine. Like, I clicked on a link that said mountain bike. I land on the page that says mountain bike. Yeah. This page is about mountain bike, basically. Definitely, because you give the main topic. 
from in a very very clear way and this is very mm-hmm. cheap for the search engine because at the yeah, beginning yeah. of this interview i talk about cost topical authority is mainly about decreasing the cost for search engine and if you give these top these specific topicality signals in a very cheap way like even the most idiotic algorithm can understand it which means that it will be faster for them and cheaper for them as well but if you complicate it in your content it yeah, will yeah. take longer time for them too I agree with you on that. It's like people often don't think about how, how much it costs to run a search engine like Google, and there's no way they don't optimize their code for cheaper way to retrieve information and serve good enough information. Maybe not even the best information. They just want the, the searchers to be happy, even if it's not the base page because they never saw it. Uh, and it's Definitely. the same with site speed, right? They've been pushing site speed a lot because essentially you reduce how many JavaScripts are on your page and all of that because yeah. they have less money to crawl it, right? And so therefore, Definitely. Uh, they save a lot on energy, especially given the price of energy these days. It's like the price of energy has exploded. Running server farms costs a lot of money. And I think not many SEOs don't understand the economics behind yeah, running they, a search engine. Definitely. That's why I tell that Google is actually an ads company, not yeah, the search yeah. engine first. It's mainly for making money. And if you make everything harder for them, they yeah. will find another website. They won't continue to deal with your content in that case. Okay. I wanted to finish quickly by talking about a couple of the case studies that you've done. So I know you've mm-hmm. got a lot of slack from people from like, most of your case studies being in a Turkish market, but I asked you for some sites and you sent me a bunch of sites that were in English as well. So I'm gonna, <laughs> we're going to talk about that. And you allowed me to reveal the domain. So we're just going to talk about them. The first one that I looked at was gymdesk.com, which is a site that had zero traffic at the beginning of 2022 and has 42,000 traffic today. The thing is like, so it's a gym management software. So basically gyms buy this software so that they can actually manage you know, yeah. their members, etc. It's like, and I, I can see what you were talking about on this site because, like, the top page is actually types of martial art, which has fifteen thousand traffic, and the second page is components of fitness, which I was like, is that part of your topical map? Is that how you're trying to like go out of your core? So I guess you have your core with your yes. That website is actually mainly for personal trainers, and if yeah, you're yeah. a personal trainer, you basically have a, your own software for yeah, your yeah. own trainees. And in that case, we go for martial arts, then the martial art trainer. And from there, we go for the gym, how to open a gym, op- cost of opening a gym. I saw these fitness. ones. Uh, how much does it, does it cost to open a gym and how much do gym yeah. owners make as well? Was a good pay. Yeah. And in this case, whenever they search for opening a gym or around these things, if you have a gym or let's say you don't have a gym, you can have your own trainees and you can go to a central big gym as well and your trainees can come with you too i see and in this case we use that but like, like my that. question is like i mean first of all when did you start on this site we are in 2023 it should be like six seven or no probably beginning of this year i guess i okay. as much as i can maybe before that too. like I, eight months more, seven eight months yeah and uh, after a certain amount of time we have given them new briefs which means new content briefs and we are contacting with them too in every project we don't work directly like always side by side Let's say we want to give a little bit break and then we give them new briefs because they ask for it. Before okay. we leave, we give them like 55. So what did you do with them exactly? Can you just go from the beginning? What was the plan in the initially for that site? Like what was the challenge? The first, thing the, was actually, the first thing was training their team. Then the second thing was creating the topical map, like which topics with what angle we will be processing them. For example, okay. we go for cost of gym, but for opening it, for instance, it's the yeah. context there. And then from there, we go for writing them. Then we revise the articles again to train them. Like, not this sentence, this sentence. Not like this anchor text can be, can't be there. For example, so you I don't with them, put, basically. I don't put anchor text, for instance, to the beginning of the paragraph. It's a rule for me since uh, four years. I always put it to the middle part as much as possible after doing a few things. 
I, we give these type of feedbacks, revise them, then we create a publication calendar. Like on this date, this article goes live. So you're mostly publishing blog posts, basically. Yeah. Okay. But like, as I said, like you have 42K traffic, but you have 15K of that that is types of martial art. How does this page help the website? Like how does it fit yeah. into your strategy, for example? Because it's a lot of traffic. There are also some other type of topics there. Like I don't remember the concept there, but they have different type of belts. And usually people search for how to have X belt or white but belt in. How does Italian. it help the trainers? Like, how does it help the company get trainers, customers? Especially trainees are searching for that. And yeah. in this case, they're trying to choose a specific type of martial arts for themselves. And at the same time, the trainers, they also try to rank for there. And in this case, the gym desk, they create actually subdomains. Let's say you will buy their service. They create a subdomain for your brand under their website. Okay. Which means when the gym desk actually ranks there, you are also ranking there too. And your brand is inside the gym desk. It's a little bit a different, let's say less known model. If you buy their service, you can open your own digital gym under the website. I know, but like, how does it help to rank for types of martial art for gym management software, for example? Was it part of your topical map so that you cover your topics? The thing is that when you rank for types of the martial arts, you also are able to rank for how to learn, let's say karate, how to learn kung fu or how to learn X okay. in an easier way. And it is connected to the learning, which is a trainee query. Okay. If you want to open your own business, again, the let's say you have your own dojo, let's say. They also write or search for these type of things to create their own content. And in this case, if they see us, they also can become a kind of client for the company as well. So it's like trainees and trainers. Okay, okay. They search for all these things in a connected way together. Okay, let's talk about the next one. I looked at Wellzo, which is like an online pharmacy. Uh, the traffic is also pretty impressive. Uh, May 2022, there was... I explained it in the Birmingham. It's not pure semantics because in that okay. one, we published lots of things. Plus, there is an expired domain situation has been redirected. So, okay. But also, it has a very different strategy, I can tell. Like, Go imagine that you need, to, you need to publish lots of articles suddenly because there are some internal factors. They say you will publish lots of products, but all of them are templated. While you are publishing them, you also redirect the expired domain. So link velocity and content velocity, they happen at the same time. Okay. Then you start to publish the most quality articles with real human authors. That's like your 20, like 20 top articles yes. that you try to establish. The yes. After these two, it is coming for supporting the consistent quality. Because the thing is, when you publish everything suddenly, yes, you will increase your traffic, of course. But it won't be permanent. To make be able to make it permanent, then the quality ones actually started to come in that specific context. And for some, a few others too, we did similar things because when you redirect an expired domain, since you get the velocity of the links, if you also support it with the internal content, you can actually increase your rankings faster. In that one, it was the case. Okay. Um, and same, there are like, I see some keywords that are interesting around allergies, etc. I can see how an online pharmacy would be helpful to sell stuff, but there are also like info keywords that feel like I would probably not target these keywords if I was an online pharmacy. Like, why is the penis mushroom shaped, for example? And I was the like, I was just, yeah. you know, given that we talk about topical map, etc. Like, how did we land on that? That website actually is that specific e-commerce, let's say. It has been, its business model, it is too big and too wide. From woman health, sexual health to do... Yeah, it does everything, yeah. It does everything. So it is just the beginning part of the website but in the future it will be having i believe many other uh, sections it has a very smart actually operator i can tell 
So in this case, in my situation, I actually prioritized the topics at the header menu mainly because my main purpose was there at least having really quality content for the concepts in their header menu, like woman I health, see. men health, or some other sections. After that, I actually want to okay. go in a deeper section. But at the same time, I can tell at least for UK, their speed is very fast due to do some investment it's a good site. Like it's like it's uh, the site is good. Like uh, I quite liked it. I it think. has a very professional design, and yeah, that's yeah. a professional thing is behind that. And so it's a good site. I just like I was just wondering why you went for that. But basically, they're trying to be a generic health site, doing lots of things like online pharmacy, etc. And I guess in the top categories you have sexual health, so it's like it kind of like fits into that basically, right? Yeah, basically, if you are not happy with some genital areas, <laughs> you can... <laughs> yeah, I, know, I was just asking, like, why you have an online pharmacy where you go for that keyword? It's like, it's... Uh, it's, it's popular also, because the thing is, when, when in the methodology, you always need higher impression and higher search activity. So you go for, like, you... low competition, high impression, and try to beat a large site, and then just be reclassified. And so, like, that was one of these keywords that... Yeah, I directly like... go for the highest impression, because if I'm able to rank for that, the rest will be very much easier. If I'm okay. able to outrank the top authority for some certain queries, the rest will be again easier too. So you're looking for kind of like weaknesses in top authority size to kind of like take their spot. Yes, I exploit them directly, I can tell. I choose, let's say you have an authority website and someone else came and they created, let's say, 30% more quality content for 20 of your articles from the same topic. Yeah. It means that actually they will be able to more rankable. They will be ranking easier for the next state or the next sections. Okay, I see. So you're basically trying to be like, let's take this small subsection, do really impressive content, and on the part there where they're the weakest, you know, it's like the yeah. I try here. Take that over, and then we reclassify it, and we take a like we yes. kind of expand from there, basically. Definitely. But one trick is there: have high impression. The yeah. section that you have chosen has to have high level of impression. Okay. I if see you have low low level of impression, it means that the data amount won't be good enough to test you. If you have oh, high I level, I was going to ask why you want impressions, but that's because you want yeah. Google to have data so they can make a decision, basically. Yes, because if they have high level of data, they can have they can be more confident and the precision will be higher because some user behavior differences they can be obvious after certain amount of search behaviors. If you have high impression, it will be very much easier to be tested and prove yourself. I see. It's like doing A-B testing on 100 visits. It's useless. Uh, you need, uh, I mean, most of the time it's not very useful. Uh, you need usually a lot more traffic than that to make yeah. A-B testing work. So it's kind of the, this idea and the A-B testing. Okay. Anything that about your general methodology that I should have talked about that I did not ask you about? Okay. I won't use the concept since people... <laughs> you got to make it simple. Get... Remember, I'm, I'm very stupid. Yeah. Yeah, so no, I don't mean that I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I mean that people, uh, since they get angry sometimes, at least, uh, especially link builder audience, since semantics might be a bit confusing sometimes, I won't use the concept, but I will suggest them to focus on the sentence structures more, order okay. of headings a little bit more. And what is your first link, first internal link and first anchor text in your main content? And what is the last anchor text in your main content? Try to get also some, let's say, internal link differences. Let's say you have an article about night driving glasses, and there you can have the internal link to the non-subscription glasses. And at the same time, you, when you link to the non-subscription glasses, you will need to go there and you will need to create a specific heading to link back. At the same time, you will need to actually compare these things to each other because, let's say, night driving glasses also is called, let's say, anti-glare glasses mm. or... A type of sunglasses 
If you have sunglasses, topic will be going to the ultraviolet or UV light glasses too. And if okay. you have that, you will also need to have blue light glasses because the light is the key there. If you go for light, you will need to go for also the a little bit eye, eye health, eye anatomy, or these types. So of what things. do you stop? <laughs> In that one, the glasses companies, it is hard because there are really strong authorities in that area. Yes. Uh, you have seen that glasses company, for instance. I started there, for example, from face shapes. I started from a simple topic because I needed a high impression increase. Face shapes was very easy to go for it. I go for I face see. shapes because I have let's say uh, square glasses frames for oval faces first i go for face shape then i go for glasses for that face shape and from there slowly i go for a little bit of health topics because that all the glass mo most of the glasses companies they are also optometrists which means they do eye test and from there i connect glasses to the eye test eye health and from eye health back to the glasses again so it is a kind of loop usually so to summarize the way you expand your content is you take what you have and you're like oh i have this subtopic mentioned in the article that could be a whole page basically and that is in my topical map let's just expand that way because then that opens these other five that i can link from that page etc yes but if you are not able to connect it back to the, your monetization section I see. Try yeah. it's because otherwise you will need to process everything in wikipedia yeah exactly <laughs> You become Wikipedia, basically. Just <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> the cheap, the, the wish version of Wikipedia, you know? So I, the last question I want to ask to, for something you mentioned is you mentioned ordered order of headings. And I don't think people understand what you mean by that and what they can do practically to improve their rankings using that. So in this case, let's say we have a question at, in your H1, like what are the types, what are the benefits, what are the advantages or what are the features if this is the H1, you will always need to have a heading list, like one, two, three, four. You will need to list all these things all the time. Then I usually, once I create my heading list, these are also headings basically. So what's in if the I heading? Have, Let's say we do review of- What are uh, the types of glasses, for instance? Let's okay. say, what are the types of glasses frames? I okay. create a one, two, three, four, five, like okay. a heading list. list. Yeah. Then at the most bottom part, then I start to actually, let's say, compare them to each other, or I try to actually create some internal links sections to the different areas. After you process your main topic for your query, you can start to distribute some connections and some internal links to other areas. I usually call this bottom part supplementary content. But that concept is not from me. Don't blame me. It is from query creator guidelines. They call the bottom part supplementary content. Okay. And usually since supplementary section is not about your main topic, it's easier for you to actually add some off topic, not off topic, but slightly connected, but also side topics. And I use these sections for internal links usually, which means I don't link from the top. When it comes to top, I usually link for, let's say, that subtypes of glasses directly. But when it comes to most bottom part, it can be even for parts of glasses or different things. So, so you, the, the, top of, the top of the page is answer the query. The bottom of the page is I'm going to do something somewhat related so I can just do all the internal yeah. links I need so that my site structure is the way I want it to be. Yeah, definitely. Even actually, I can name another website, yum.com. We also have written some articles in mm -hmm. that. They can even check the articles there. They will see these type of orders for email types, for instance. You first check the email type article, you will see a list. Then you will see individual email types and all of them will be connected to the mail merge from the bottom of the article. Mm. Check the last link in them, you will get 
what I mean with the hidden order. Okay, cool. Then we'll uh, people will check the website. We'll probably put it in the URL so people can check it out. We're going to edit this podcast, so we're going to try to show examples when you mention them as well, etc. Okay, Corey, I think I went a little bit over time right now, so we talked a little bit too much, but I hope you had fun. I had fun. It was interesting. And, I definitely uh, had, had the fun. And also, I can tell this is definitely Hornet's podcast, and it's beneficial for also search engine optimization experts. I'm also okay with all the criticism, whether negative, whether positive. Okay. I welcome all, and thank you for all that too. And thanks for having me. No worries. It's like uh, I, want, I wanted to like express the criticism of the community, but at the same time also not be narrow-minded and be open to what you have to say and like learn from that. And I think that's how we all get better, basically. What can people follow you or where do you want people to go if they want to know more about what you do and uh, everything? We have a Facebook community, public and private. They are welcomed on both of them. We also have a Discord community called Holistic SEO. Again, they can come there. We have a Telegram group. We are there. I am on Twitter. We are also on YouTube. And uh, in Topical Author that Digital, we have our own course. But again, one more time, I'm telling, if you didn't read the case studies, please read them. Then, then Start with to that. The <laughs> yeah, and they can reach out to me from these places. But if they send an email, I can answer it six months later. I can't promise for that. But from these places, they can find me directly. Okay, perfect. We'll put a link in the description if people want to check it out. Thanks for joining and see you next time. So I hope you guys enjoyed this interview with Corey about Topical Authority and this how to uncover some of the nuances of the concept. But I know some people are probably walking away from this interview still a little bit confused. So here's my too long didn't watch version of the interview where I cover most of the tactics that we talked about. First, let's talk about planning your site and topical maps. A topical map, unlike the way you traditionally plan your site with keyword research, is a planning methodology that focuses on info gaps rather than keyword gaps. Meaning that the way Corey plans it is he lists all the questions related to his main topic and tries to answer them somewhere on his website. Then he attributes these questions to pages on his website and tries to answer them as concisely as possible so it's very cheap for search engines to find that information and serve it to users. He didn't really go into how he distributes these questions to pages, but I'd recommend a mix of competitor modeling which he mentioned and keyword data so that you can attract more traffic. For your topical map, you should first focus on what he calls your core content, which is essentially what your site is about. Because the first few pages that you build establish the theme of your site, and if you start with info content related to your theme, you will establish a different theme for your site. Then once the core content is covered, you can expand to topics that are talked about inside your core content. So for example, if you have a site that reviews cameras, you will often talk about camera lens, autofocus, or aperture. These are the kind of pages that he starts building after doing a core of reviews on your site because it's quite easy to link back and forth from these pages to your core review content. One interesting thing in there is that he doesn't really focus on search volume or keyword difficulty, he just focuses on closing the info gap. However, when picking these topics, he does care about the ability he has to outrank some large authority sites in his industry. And the reason why is because he wants to move up quality tiers in the search engine index. And the theory behind that is very much about how search engines work. If you're searching for a photography keyword and the search engine is trying to look for relevant information on all the index pages on the internet, that's going to be both very slow and very expensive, which is both bad for you and for the search engine. So instead, what Google does is they segment their index first by topics. So if you're doing a query related to photography, they have a list of photography sites already determined by the theme of your site and they're able to search for information just within that subset of sites, which makes it a lot cheaper and faster. But he also thinks that Google segments sites in terms of quality. So think about it like Google making a list from S tier to F tier websites, and the higher your tier, the more likely you are to show up high for queries. And the higher your tier is, the more likely you are to show higher for queries related to the theme of your site. 
And that's basically what authority is, right? When you publish content and automatically ranks in Google without you having to do any kind of link building or anything, just because you're well established in your niche and you have a history of providing good quality content to Google. The problem is Google is not constantly updating the tier level of websites. They only do that during Google core updates, which is where we see websites climb up or down significantly as they rolled out. And essentially between two updates, you're playing within your league. So you can only go up or down a certain amount regardless of whatever you are doing to your site. And that's quite important in Corey's strategy because when he builds his strategy, he does not really play for the current state of things, but rather for the next Google core update. But for your site to move up in the tier list, it has to change significantly from when Google knows about it already. So he does two things to make this happen. The first thing is that he prunes the website of low quality pages so that he reduces the total number of pages on the website. And that's to set up step number two, which is adding a large amount of high quality pages on the website. He drops them all at once to create a shock for Google that forces them to reevaluate the site and links them from the homepage so it's easy to find for Google. He really tries to go above and beyond in terms of the quality, length, and production value of these pages because these are the pages that Google is going to be using to benchmark the site and decide what new quality tier it should be in. And that's why he pruned the site beforehand as well. By removing a large amount of pages from the website, the new pages make a larger percentage of the site overall, which makes it more likely for Google to reevaluate the website. Now, these new pages that he drops have two main qualities. One, they target queries that can drive a large number of impressions. And the reason he does that is so that Google has enough data to requalify the website. So he does not target long tail keywords, he targets large queries. And the second is that the page has a chance of outranking large authority sites in the niche because he assumes that if you're able to outrank a big site for one query, you're likely to outrank them for many other related queries. There was not a lot to back this theory when I asked about it though. Now the way he puts content together, he emphasizes two main things. One, the headline structure and order. This felt very classic to me. Basically, he focuses the top of the article on answering the query exactly while using the bottom part of the article for internal linking so he can build the right site structure. While using the bottom part of the article to drift a bit from the topic and use it for internal linking. And two was the sentence structure, which was very akin to how you optimize feature snippets, for example. The idea is that your answer to a given question should match the same subjects and complements in terms of sentence structure. So for example, for the query, how to start a newsletter, your answer should be something like to start a newsletter, you should, and then give your answer. So that Google easily identify the fact that it is the answer to that exact question. And it's more likely to use your content for the answer. Clearly like Brandon, he also uses content templates, which seem to be the way SEO is going these days. So we get a little bit more control over the final product. So for example, if you take the query template, can dogs eat and then the name of a food, you'd be creating a perfect answer template for say, can dogs eat strawberries and write it all yourself. And then you just give the template with blanks to fill for writers so that it's always the same structure of article and it matches what Google is expecting. Now we talked about many other things in the interview, but these are my main takeaways. So I guess the question is, what do we think about all of this? Unlike what a lot of people say, Corey does not share crazy theories. I think a lot of the stuff that he says does make sense and is somewhat interesting. I mean, clearly a lot of the stuff that Corey says and shares is not crazy and it's quite interesting. But I also felt a lot of stuff was a little bit overcomplicated sometimes and could be explained in simpler words. Now, he also showed me several case studies of English sites that ranked well, and I shared some of them in the interview. But as I mentioned in the interview, a lot of the gain traffic is often to large queries and monetized pages. And that's probably due to his strategy of generating lots of impressions. But the thing is, it makes the case studies maybe look a little bit better than they should because the graphs look good in GSC, but I don't think the growth matches in terms of revenue for the businesses. 
The perfect example was that penis-shaped page that takes a third of Wellzo.com's traffic. So I guess that was my attempt at decoding one of the most cryptic SEO person in the industry. I personally really like the way he thinks about core updates, and that makes me rethink a few things. I'd like to know what you took away from the interview, just drop me a comment with what you like the most so that we can talk about it with our next guests. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and click on the bell so that you don't miss the next episode, and I'll see you in the next episode.